Life Audio. Coming up on Encouragement for You, Christian psychiatrist Dr. Frank Minrith provides help for post-holiday blues. And the late Dr. Robert Crummy talks about dealing with grief. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. For many people, the Christmas holiday can be a depressing time, and often those dark feelings linger. The late Dr. Frank Minrith, Christian psychiatrist, talks with host Don Hawkins about how to overcome those feelings. Maybe some folks uh, know what depression sounds like, but they're not quite sure what the symptoms are. Yeah, some are easy to spot and some are not, so you might want to take a note here. I'm going to give five, nine symptoms real quickly, and you might grade yourself zero to ten. Zero means it's really not a significant issue for you. One means it's a little bit of an issue, mm-hmm. and ten, I mean, it's just catastrophic. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't start with Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Yes. So even if you're feeling down, you can overcome this. Through Christ, you can do it. That sounds good. We'll begin with the first of your list of symptoms, Frank. Number one, depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day for the last two weeks. Zero to ten, where you been? Depression can be a reality in our lives, and Frank, even believers, even godly people can be depressed at times. Number two, markedly diminished interest or pleasure in all or almost all activities of daily living. Have you lost interest in everything? Maybe you're depressed. Number three, significant weight loss or weight gain in the last few weeks. Either way, so uh, not not really, then a zero, a little bit, then a one, and if it's you gained a lot of weight, then it would go up. Number four is insomnia, or it could be hypersomnia. Are, are you, do you have an inability to sleep, or are you sleeping too much? Either way, that might be a typical depression. Yeah, and the psalmist in several of the psalms talked about watering his couch with tears and talked about uh, tossing at night on his bed. Uh, Frank, I think one of the symptoms we've talked about before is a person waking up in the middle of the night and simply not being able to fall back asleep. Don, we see that so much when people come into the clinic. It's sort of rare when they're depressed, they're sleeping well. And many are, again, just sleeping, you know, way too much. So it's, it's an interesting one to look at. Number six is either you're like you're in slow motion, psychomotor retardation, or you're, you're angry, agitation. So either way, how would you grade yourself? Are you real irritable? Are you in slow motion? How would you grade yourself? Zero to ten. Number six. Fatigue, a loss of energy nearly every day. Are you tired? Hmm. Are you really, is it a disguised depression? 
Yeah, and I think uh, when we think about uh, people being depressed again, you think about the psalmist who talked about life literally just uh, dragging him down, and, and Solomon as well. I think especially of some of the comments that he made in um, in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and Jeremiah in Lamentations, if you read the book of Lamentations, just the, the tremendous drain on him emotionally and even physically. Number seven, feelings of worthlessness are inappropriate guilt. First John 1, 9 is still in the Bible, Don, and it's going to stay there. Yep. So if people have done something wrong, you're a Christian, you've done something wrong, hey, you know, if we confess it, he's going to forgive us. And But but people just keep dwelling and dwelling and dwelling on it. Maybe they're depressed. And David in Psalm 32 just uh, continued to ruminate over his guilt. And and uh, because he couldn't sleep, he felt guilty within. He, he recognized that he had sinned. And eventually he confessed that sin to God and, and received release from that guilt and even from his depression. Number eight, indecision. Do you second guess yourself on every decision you make? And are you sort of harsh with it? Zero to ten, where would you put yourself, might be a sign of depression. Number nine, recurrent thoughts of death. It'll go in three or four stages. One is just a fleeting thought. Even that is significant. And Job is a great example of that one, Frank. When you talk about Job, he said, the day of death is better than the day of birth. Mm -hmm. He said, I wish I'd never been born. Mm -hmm. And Don, the second step with that is is a serious consideration. The third step of that is a plan. And, uh, of course, the fourth is an attempt. If you know someone on any of those levels, certainly the last three, it's time to get in gear. Frank, there were seven people in Scripture who took their lives, who committed suicide. What a tragedy it is. Uh, And sometimes people raise the question, well, if you're a Christian, you can't or will never feel suicidal or depressed. The reality is Christians can feel depressed. and, And I know you have a special word for those who may be feeling suicidally depressed tonight. Well, just that Christ loves you. He loves you. He loved you enough to die for you. He wants to help you. And we want to help you, too. So you hang on. And sometimes people get so down, Don, they need to get in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they just need to gather people around them. And you people need to gather real close and be with them all the time. Uh, maybe get involved in a local church where they can love you. But whatever you need to do, by all means, we need you in the body of Christ. Yeah, and if you have someone close to you and you're wondering, are they suicidal, don't think that you'll give them the idea if you bring it up. It's always appropriate to intervene and to ask, are you having thoughts of suicide? Are you thinking about this? Or are you just having fleeting thoughts? But how about we take phone calls? Let's do it. All right, Cora, you're on the air with Dr. Menrith and me. How can we be of help? Well, I was just wanting a little bit about advice. I work with the elderly, and the holiday season is really hard um, for the elderly because they miss loved ones or, you know, spouses or family members that can't be there. And I also have residents that are kind of young, like 34 to maybe 50, and I just want to find a way to make the season at least a little better for them but without um, making them sad. And I wondered how to go about that to let them know that I care and to try to make their holiday season better. What a wonderful question. I'm so glad you called in, Cora, with that question. Frank, I know you have some great thoughts to share on that. Your presence, Cora, you have a great presence. Oh, it'd be wonderful. As people get older, uh, the older generation tends to really love the Scripture more than the newer generation. I mean, they're both great. They're both Christians in both groups. But I think, Don, if you had to say in general, the, the older group, they love the Scriptures. They, lo- they love the old hymns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I was in college, Mary Alice and I would go to the 
the, the retirement homes and would sing, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Mm-hmm. And their eyes would light up. And, yes. And so I think your presence, I think they, they respond to music. I think they respond to scripture verses. You can find one they loved. I'd often ask them, what's your favorite Bible verse? And their mm-hmm. eyes would light up. Uh, so I think it's wonderful, Cor. I, I do want you to be sure you take a little bit of time off for yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, you, so you just don't wear yourself out. I'm a little concerned you work there. And if, you, you know, if you're there all the time, you've you got to have a little bit of refreshment yourself. So you be sure yeah. and take good care of you, oh. too. Yeah, Cora, there's a biblical basis for the counsel Dr. Minrith is giving you. Remember, the disciples had been very busy, and uh, Jesus, and they didn't have any time for rest. And in Mark's gospel, he tells them to come apart and rest up for a while. And though it was a limited amount of time, uh, it was a very important thing because they just they were so busy coming and going they didn't even have time to eat. So I trust you'll take Dr. Minrith's counsel to heart. We want to pray for you. Uh, one of the other things I want to mention to you is people love to be listened to. Listening is a great way to affirm anybody. We all love to be listened to. And James one talks about being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And, and you sound like that kind of person, Cora. Let me lead us in prayer on your Don, behalf. before you do that, yeah, okay. Cora, I'm going to give you a verse that I want you to share with, with those dear people when it's appropriate. Okay. And it's found, they'll, they'll love it, Cora. They'll just love this. It's found in Second Chronicles chapter 20, wow. and it's the last part of verse 12. Okay. And the Israelites were surrounded by this huge army, the enemy, and it said, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And so many of those dear people don't know what to do. Just They'll love that verse. So it's 2 Chronicles, Chronicles 20, verse 12, the last part. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Okay, great verse. Well, thank you. Let's commit this to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Korah. What a joy it is to talk with her and to hear her heart for people, her willingness to invest of herself and of her time to visit, to reach out. Lord, help her to be wise and careful and uh, extending as much care as possible while taking care of herself. And I pray that you would give her great strength. Thank you, Lord, for the promise in in, uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I pray that your joy might strengthen her even as she reaches out to others. Lord, give her the strength that she needs, the encouragement to pass along. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We'll be right back after this message. Often, depression and grief over significant losses go hand in hand. The late Dr. Robert Crummy served as president of Carver Bible College. In the following segment, he talks with host Don Hawkins about how to cope with grief. What do we mean when we talk about grief? How do you define it? Well, you know, it is a um, it, it's a state of of loneliness, and um, it's an overwhelming sense of um, what could be depression. You're almost at a standstill because you just miss this person. It, it's something that you can't control. You can't change. You can't bring them back. And um, grief is an emotional state that 
just really puts you at a standstill, Don. Yeah. I think, Robert, uh, maybe the one word that ties all this together is loss. I mean, what has happened is you have lost perhaps the cornerstone of life or someone or something that is very close to you. Uh, people who've lost a job go through grief. People who've lost uh, uh, possessions go through grief. People who are victims of a crime go through grief. Robert, I don't think there's any kind of grief like the loss of a spouse uh, or perhaps the death of another close relative. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's not only a loss, but it's a it's an irrevocable loss. You know, it's, it's something that you lose, you can get back. But this um, is a loss, and I think that's what makes the grief so overwhelming. You can't get it back. Um, but, you know, Don, with good, solid theology and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives, um, we can overcome it and um, look forward to, to brighter days. Robert, you mentioned good theology, and, and perhaps a theology of death uh, is an important part of, uh, of being able to come to grips with grief. Uh, it's really a paradox. I was thinking about this earlier, uh, because in Hebrews 2, death is referred to as the last enemy that will be destroyed. And yet in Psalm 116, 15, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Uh, that's really hard to get our arms around, is it not? It is, and and, and I appreciate the references all throughout Scripture of what happens to those who who die in the Lord. And I gotta, you know, always remember that no matter how much I deal with grief, I can always turn to the um, solid Word of God that accurately informs me of what happens to those who die in the Lord. And and Paul said in First Thessalonians chapter four thirteen that um, God would not have us to be ignorant concerning those which are asleep. And I love that word asleep there, which communicates that those who die on the Lord, that that's not the end of their existence. They're, they're asleep and that they will awaken. In fact, he goes on to say in that text, not like others who didn't have any hope. We have hope in Christ. Uh, we have hope as believers. Mm, yeah. Because that text communicates further that they will arise. They will be caught up with the Lord one day. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And, um, you know, it's just a reminder that the last time I've seen even my, my, my first wife, in fact, is not the last time that I'll see her. I'll see her again in her new robe and in her new glory. Robert, let's talk about the stages of grief. People uh, go through kind of stages and cycles, do they not? Yeah, I think initially, you know, there is um, there's this overwhelming sense of sorrow that um, just comes upon a person, and you know, there is frequent reflection that that can lead one to to tears and and sadness. Um, I can remember just breaking down early when um, Cheryl passed. Every time I thought of her or her name was mentioned, or if I was having a conversation with someone. And then as time moved on, there was more time between moments when I would have those um, those breakdowns. So in other words, the bottom line is uh, things do begin to heal. You do begin to recover from grief over a period of time. Would that be an accurate observation? Yeah, it's a process. It's a process over a period of time. I think that um, there becomes more time between intervals where the reflection upon the, the deceased person will cause you to yeah. to go into deep 
deep moments of sadness and even tears. Yeah, and and I think um, one of the things that's important for us to say is that different people grieve uh, in different stages at different times, and and you can't say to a person, uh, "You should be over it now" or "Get over it." That that would not be appropriate, would it? N- not at all. It's been five years for me, and I still have my moments, even though I'm still even you know I'm I'm in a new marriage um, with someone. I can still have moments where I reflect pretty heavily upon upon Cheryl. So there you know, Don, I really I really don't think we ever get over it because of the way we felt for that individual. Yeah. In some cases, even in mind, you can start grieving before the person even passes because, yeah. you know, what's been communicated is that mm-hmm. this illness is terminal. And it's not that you're um, a defeatist, but but you're a realist and, and and you feel like you've been properly informed through yeah. Um, you know, medical research that God has also provided. And you can start beginning to grieve even before a person even even passes. Robert, I'm glad you said that because there are people who've been given a diagnosis that things are terminal. And many times hospice care is called in and, and uh, frequently uh, that can be very helpful and appropriate in those uh, situations. And, and uh, uh, the reality is that's a, a tremendous service and it's appropriate uh, to begin that process of grief when you realize you're going to uh, lose that loved one. Uh, but again, I think about the fact that some people have the the idea you shouldn't grieve. Uh, Jesus not only changed the definition of grief because he said we don't sorrow uh, through Paul, we don't sorrow like those that have no hope, uh, but he also showed how appropriate it was to grieve. Uh, I know, Robert, you're very familiar with the passage where Lazarus had died and Jesus mm-hmm. was with Mary and Martha there in John 11. And that very short verse that we often joke about is the shortest verse, the one verse to memorize. It uh, says, Jesus wept. Uh, that's a verse that has a very powerful statement to us about uh, Jesus in grief, does it not? It does. It does. And I think, um, you know, it, it was so um, loving of Jesus to let us see that human side of him at that juncture. And, and, you know, Don, one thing I've learned is that, you know, we can be honest with God. Um, yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that there are other ways to grieve um, beyond um, loss of a loved one. You know, I, I, when I see Jeremiah in um, Jeremiah chapter 20 after Pastor had, um, you know, put him in jail and they had whipped him, and, and what he was going through, in my judgment, was, was, was grief. It was sorrow. It was depression. It was an overwhelming um, sense um, of emotion that caused him. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 20, um, verse 14, they even cursed the day that he was born. He, mm, yeah. he, he, was, he was so down, um, the text argues that he didn't even want to speak God's yeah. name anymore in verse 9. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, we are afraid to open up and be honest with God. And in that text, Jeremiah displays some transparency that I think is healthy for us to do to get through even the grieving process. And he mentions in that text not only his honesty to God, but the text informs us that what really got him through was that he had hid the word of the Lord in his heart. It was like fire Mm. shut up in his heart. And, And even though we're honest with God, we've got to turn back to God's Word and what God's Word says about our loved ones 
whom he's called home. And the Bible yeah. says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah, that great, powerful statement from Second Corinthians 5. And uh, you're mentioning Jeremiah, Robert, reminds me of uh, Lamentations 3 and uh, the bitterness of, of his grief over the city, uh, Jerusalem, being destroyed and, and how he said, God has forsaken me and I feel abandoned. And then he says, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. You can count mm-hmm. on him during but, times of grief. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, Don, my wife was 29, and I was passionate of church and the president of a Bible college and, you know, living right. You know, I, I, I went to seminary. I've been a missionary with Campus Crusade for Christ. I mean, I just felt like this is something that really should be happening to someone else and not me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was yeah. my thinking. And, and, I, and I had no answers to why. And I had to pour my heart out and, and be honest with God. Yeah. And it, it took me um, a long time to, to, to get through the point where cause we got this picture of God that says we shouldn't really open up like Jeremiah did or open up um, the way we see others in Scripture have done. But God is so loving to us. He allows us to open. He will not change or get moody on us. And the love he has for us is a constant love, even when we're trying. In fact, God already knows what's on our heart anyway, so we might as well open up with him. (laughs) But I think, Don, that really begins to free us up to begin to move through that grieving process. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Hi friend, are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stressless Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.